Hey everyone, just a quick reminder from us here at The Boot that today, November 6th, is election day. That's right, it's election day in the US, and even if there are only six of you listening right now, we wanted to take this opportunity to remind all six of you to go vote. Many elections are decided by only a handful of votes and by the apathy of people who think it won't make a difference, but it does. This is your opportunity to tell the current administration how we feel about the direction they are pointing us, and if need be, shift that direction. Not to mention there are plenty of races for state and local offices that affect you too. So whether you're a first-time voter or a first-time midterm voter, or you're just like, okay, I get it, I'll vote, but what do I do? It's not as intimidating as it seems. You can find all the information about your polling place, who is on your ballot, and even a handy voter guide so you know your rights walking in just in case you run into any issues trying to vote at vote.org. It's that simple. And if you have a vote by mail ballot, you can still get that postmark today. In 16 states, you can register same day, today, and still vote. Google it. Take notes. Take those notes to the poll with you. Bring a friend too. Voting isn't a test. You can make yourself a cheat sheet. And now for everyone's favorite part of this message. What would Barry Pepper do? He'd vote just like you should. He'd also continue listening because there's a podcast right after this. But thank you for listening. Go vote. What in heaven's name is going on here? He tried to rob the payroll, Randolph. He attacked me in broad daylight. I didn't do nothing, man. This guy bumped into me. I did not. You knocked me down and tried to grab my briefcase. Yeah, but it was an accident, man. An accident? Really? Hey, man, I'm innocent. This guy bumped into me. I was trying to give him his briefcase back to him. Shit, I can't be going to jail because I'm ass-wipe and watching where he's going. Officer, I would like to press full charges. People like this are a menace to decent society. Hey everyone, welcome to The Boot! That's right, it's The Boot! We are recasting classic movie reboots, so Hollywood doesn't have to do it! They don't have to, but they seem to like doing it, so who are we to really... I don't know, do people in this town like their jobs? <laughs> stressed about mine right now. Oh, uh, stressed. Guys, November, my favorite month of the year. Why? Because it's the beginning of the holiday season. It's mm. getting into that kind of cozy, cozy, bozy, uh, you know, get indoors, sweater weather. Yeah, it's cuffing season. You know, yeah, everyone's, you know, there's a bunch of big meals coming up <laughs> in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> it's really all I, Best time of all year. I live for. Lots of famous meals. So uh, this week, Ken and I are talking about the 1983 classic comedy, Trading Places, starring Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, Ralph Bellamy, Don Amici. Did I say that right? Amici? I think so. And Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, a movie about class and race and status and... Uh, and race. And race and race. <laughs> um, with we'll a get, lot of... Yeah. With, we'll get you know, there. A lot of commentary and... Uh, also, uh, there's a lot of boobs in this movie. A lot of boobs. There's also a lot of like strange cameos, which is kind of strange. Yeah. And weird. I f- totally forgot about, but uh, we'll get into it right after we talk about some movie news. The Equalizer screenwriter developing Universal Soldier reimagining... Knock it off the list. One of the coolest Jean-Claude Van Damme movies was Universal Soldier. What is it now? Which co-starred Dolph Lundgren as two deceased soldiers who become military cyborgs. A hit back in 1992. It spawned three sequels, two made-for-TV movies, and even a video game. Universal Pictures continues to see value in the franchise and is developing a remake with the Equalizer screenwriter Richard Wenk, who said, quote, I will say that I'm finishing up a reimagining. Let's be clear about this. It's not a remake and it's not a redo, but it is a reimagining of a movie called Universal Soldier. It's very much like The Equalizer in that it's the title that inspired me and not the movies. I'm just about to finish the script and turn it in this week. End quote. So this guy is just the master of being like, oh, yeah, The Equalizer. Isn't that a movie about a guy who uh, just gets equal with people? So now (laughs) he's going to be like, Universal Soldier. Isn't that about a Uh, soldier soldier? at Universal Studios? (laughs) I would watch that movie. (laughs) A soldier that's like Waterworld. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, I haven't I haven't seen this movie in a long time. But we all know this this is a. it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. It's a Jean-Claude movie. Van Damme classic. What the hell did they do to you? Don't know. But I'm going to find out. Universal Soldier. It's weird when you get these kind of movies from the late 80s, 90s that have such an iconic action star. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about um, Big Trouble in Little China. Like that's so stylized and has such a specific voice because of Kurt Russell. Yeah. I don't know if there's many diehards to... 
the universal soldier, but I think to sort of stray from at least its core element, it just seems kind of, it seems ballsy, one. Yeah. I'm just curious what, because if the idea is essentially he's creating a movie based on the title, what does he think Universal Soldier is? Like, what is his vision for the movie? I honestly have no idea. No idea. But I guess we're going to find, find out. out. I guess. Yeah. All right. Um. Anything else? I don't know. Nope, that's okay. it. We know we are going to talk about this about as much as he thought about the <laughs> plot for the movie. Okay. Uh, up next, Fox plots Rookie of the Year remake with Dan Greger on the mound. 20th Century Fox is in the early planning stages for a remake of the 1993 film Rookie of the Year. The studio is making a deal with Dan Greger and Doug Mann to rewrite with Greger eyeing to direct. The duo most recently wrote and Greger directed Most Likely to Murder, the film that premiered at South by Southwest and stars Adam Pally and Rachel Bloom. In the Daniel Stern directed original, an accident gives a young boy an incredibly powerful pitching arm. He ends up pitching for his favorite team, the Chicago Cubs, and could lead them to the World Series. The hurler was played by Thomas Ian Nichols. I love this movie. I, I you know, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it, yes, it, it definitely has a place. And and I think everyone in our generation's hearts. Yeah. This was like one of our favorite movies to quote as children, my brother and I. I, 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 I barely remember it. So tell me the quote <laughs> that you remember the most. If I recall correctly, there's a scene where he's like in the hospital and they take his cast off and he's like, they're like testing his like rotation and mobility and he like knocks the doctor out and the doctor's like, funky butt loving. And all the kids are like, did he just say funky butt loving? I just remember his, his like pitching mechanic was like this jerky kind of, his arm would like twist back, right? And it would make kind of like a, yeah, Weird it made, like noise. a wind-up sound. Yeah, and he would, like, be amazed that his, like, arm was doing <laughs> it's it. It's like idle hands. <laughs> I know. And Daniel Stern is his... Uh, manager? Manager? I don't, I don't, I don't know. forget. You see, after the game, a lot of guys like to ice up their arm. Still other fellas think that heat is the way to go. But I have discovered the secret, Henry. Hot ice. That's right. I heat up. The ice cubes. It's a it's a cute movie. Why not? Yeah, I think like it makes me wonder why people haven't remade like Angels in the Outfield or something like that. Uh, another great nineties. Another movie. great nineties movie. Moving on. Are we ready to move on? I think I'm ready to, to move on to the biggest news story of the week, possibly of the year. Yeah. Ansel Elgort to star in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Baby Driver star Ansel Elgort has nabbed the male lead in Steven Spielberg's upcoming take on West Side Story. The actor will play Tony, a role first portrayed by Larry Kurt in the original 1957 Broadway musical Richard Boehmer, played the part in the classic 1961 movie. Oscar-nominated screenwriter and Pulitzer Prize winner Tony Kushner has written the adaptation of the musical originally penned by Arthur Lawrence and Stephen Sondheim with music by Leonard Bernstein. Spielberg has spent the better part of the year looking for stars for his movie, with actors needing to be able to sing, duh, it's a musical, and dance, duh, it's a musical, and of course, act their hearts out, okay, it's a musical, for the story that transposes Romeo and Juliet into a 1950s New York setting featuring white and Puerto Rican gangs. The search was taking so long that Hollywood observers worried that the project would be shelved, just as casting challenges caused Spielberg to shelve the kidnapping of Edgardo Mortara. I don't know what that is. The production looked at thousands of actors and dancers in New York, LA, Miami, and Puerto Rico with many thinking Spielberg would cast an unknown lead. That would have been smart. Are you telling me that you went to all of these places and you could not find one person? You couldn't just find like the literally the diamond in the rough that you're like, okay, like this let's give this person a chance they can do it all they picked ansel elgert does he even sing i mean he does he has music i feel like alice i got my back stressed you want to grab this you don't understand this i keep it all pressed work on my realness reading my manifest i'll address your request It's just a little insane because it seems like they tried to have it all. And in this case, because many people are huge West Side Story fans, it seems like they should have just taken the chance and hired some unknowns. This is risky. This is a classic, classic story, classic movie. And what was just a one is a star. 
just just I mean, are we going to give Spielberg the benefit of the doubt that he will deliver? I don't know. This casting seems strange. Yep. It's just it's uninspired. Yes. I'm not excited about it. I honestly don't know who would be excited about it. Like, who's the audience? I don't know. What's funny is, like, Spielberg must watch movies, right? Like, he's such a movie Uh, freak that, like, don't we, haven't we realized by now that, like, if you take a chance on someone, an audience these days will probably react to it in a really positive way and be like, oh my God, like, this is, uh, this is great. Like, I haven't seen anyone like this before as opposed to just, like, rolling out. Like, Ansel Elgort doesn't get me to the movie theater, you know? Like, the only reason I saw Baby Driver was because of Edgar Wright yeah. and John Hamm. But uh, you know what I mean? Like I, I, maybe maybe he's taking a page out of James Cameron's Titanic book, which is like cast a heartthrob, get the girls there. That's Get the young girls there. That's all that matters here. You mean he's pulling a Francis Ford Coppola <laughs> casting the heartthrob, yeah. making him do a British accent. No, I, here's the thing. I want to root for this. I want to be shocked. I want mm-hmm. to be surprised. I want this to be great. Well, maybe you will. But I, I just don't know if – I don't know, honestly, if if that's the best scenario. Like, sure, we could all be surprised and be like, eh, this is okay. Yeah. But it could have been great otherwise. You, you want to be shocked with some casting? Maybe we should start talking about the people I picked. Oh, my gosh. Before we do that, uh, before we get into trading places, can I, we got to go over the rules for the people. This is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people you've never heard of and you're going to want to look them up. We will be talking about the movie that you may not have seen. I hadn't seen it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you not like it? You hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it. We'll get into it. Uh, Now to the rules. Rule number one, no remakes, reboots, or long lost sequels. We can't do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20 years. This includes franchises like... Uh, (laughs) I don't know what to say. Franchises like, you know, the good old Star Wars. That pop back up with sequels every few decades. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. And rule number three, no tender casting. We can't just cast someone based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. Okay, guys, let's get into the reboot of Trading Places. Coleman, I've had the most absurd nightmare. I was poor and no one liked me. I lost my job. I lost my house. Penelope hated me. It was all because of this terrible, awful Negro. It was the dukes. It was the dukes. You're a dead man, Valentine! It was an experiment. They use us as guinea pigs, man. Dukes use us as guinea pigs. See how our lives would turn out. They made a bet. Dukes ruined my life over a bet. For how much? Trading Places is directed by John Landis, director of such classic comedies as Animal House, Blues Brothers, Coming to America, and Father of Max. That's not a movie. He's literally the father of Max Landis. You mean Laxmandus? Laxmandus. Um, it stars Dan Aykroyd as Louis Winthrop III, Eddie Murphy as Billy Ray Valentine, Jamie Lee Curtis as the lovable prostitute Ophelia, Ralph Bellamy as Randolph Duke, and Don Amici as Mortimer Duke. Okay, you haven't seen this movie. Mm-hmm. I have wanted to do this movie for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I sort of watched it pretty late, had a pretty stressful day at work, cast it all today. I like watched it, casted it today. I made some choices. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to hear I have your made choices. some choices. Um, but why don't you talk about what you thought of this movie? I mean, it's, it's, it's race, it's racial. I don't think it's a, like it's humor is in the commentary about racism in America, but I don't know if you could say it's like a racist movie. I mean, this movie really has it all. It has the N-word. It has blackface. It has the F-word. The other F-word. Think of the other F-word. The homophobic F-word. Um, There's a lot happening in this movie. You can tell the point in my notes where <laughs> you could tell the point where we reach the N-word because I just wrote, whoa, 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 whoa. And then you can tell the point towards the end where we reach the blackface scene because I wrote, oh, my gosh, there's blackface in this movie. (laughs) There is blackface. Um, There's also a shot of the Twin Towers that's pretty – Yeah. You know, always shocking to see. But I I think at the the core of this movie, I don't think it means to be vicious. 
I mean, the thing that I took away most is that I thought this movie was really funny. There you go. All right. And so in a way, I was talking about this with a friend last night. I was because I was telling him that I had seen this movie and he was like, isn't it so funny? And I was like, it's also problematic, but it's kind of begging to be remade. Like there, mm-hmm. if there's anything we've learned recently, it's ultimately that much of the racial tension that I think a lot of white people had thought we had put behind us is not gone. And so there's still a lot to be said for what this movie is trying to tell us. Yeah. And hand in hand with the with the racial issues, there's also these issues of class that yes. we that are still relevant. If if not even more relevant and apparent today. Mm-hmm. And it's and so in between some of the things that I think would need to change, there's just a lot of funny stuff in there. And so I enjoyed this movie. I also like how we this is the first episode in November and it is a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas. <laughs> it's true. Like we took a hard turn from Halloween. Yeah, we we just brought out the tree and the lights. Um, I, I, I I'm glad you found it funny because I, I still found this movie quite hilarious despite the fact that there are things in here that do not age well Mm -hmm. and are wildly inappropriate but i agree with you it's ripe for a reboot um how you do that you do it multiple ways i guess we'll just start going through it yeah i'm one of the ways that you could do it which is something i did is i gender swapped the lewis and billy ray characters so they're women now i did too great Uh, because like I said, I, I think it's just my Lewis, uh, I I don't know why I picked her. (laughs) I think, I think she popped in my head and then thinking about who I picked for Billy Ray, I was like, these two could make a movie and be pretty funny. Mm -hmm. So for Lewis, there's two Lewises in my head. There's the Lewis that wakes up in the beginning of the movie. He's the guy who won't open his own car door. He's the guy who gets like freshly shaven every day. Mm -hmm. He walks through the Duke and Duke firm. And is greeted by all the employees. Yep. He's well-respected. He's very rich. He comes from that blue-blood American society. Someone has to take a stand against criminals like that. But he could have killed you. In such a situation, you have no time to think. Instinct takes over. It's either kill or be killed. That's the first Lewis. Mm -hmm. And then the second Lewis is the Lewis dressed as a dirty Santa Claus shoving a salmon, a full... Salmon down his coat pocket and then just like eating it, ripping its skin with the hair, with the hair on the subway as My people watch. My favorite part of this movie is when Valentine figures out what's happening and he runs to try to catch him and he's like, Hey, Winthor! Winthor! So it's such an arc for Lewis. Like he had such a rock bottom. Yeah. That I picked an actress who I think we've talked about some point about how and I don't I don't know if it was you or not, but I I want her to go back to doing some comedic stuff Mm -hmm. because right now she's she's doing all this like Oscar. I don't want to say Oscar bait because she has an Oscar, um, but it's just like I would just like her to do a straight fucking comedy again. Mm -hmm. I picked Emma Stone. Okay. And I just saw her as, you know, you can just put her in anything and she already becomes that kind of upper class. Like she's somehow like launched herself into an upper class of Hollywood elite, Mm -hmm. which is so strange because everyone's like, everyone might say, like, what's your favorite Emma Stone movie? And don't say Aloha. (laughs) What is my favorite Emma Stone movie? Why can't I think of any Emma Stone movie? I like Easy A. Yeah. You say Easy A or Super Bad. You say these movies where she's like funny mm-hmm. and charming. And now she's like she's like the Oscar actress. Mm-hmm. And I that's fine. Do those movies. But yeah. you gotta give us some comedy again. Like you have to come back down to earth and give us some comedy. And I wanted to watch her kind of comedically fall into despair. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if you want to uh be an uh, Academy Award winning actress, right. show us the comedic version of this this person's life as they lose everything you want us to believe you're a good actress do this um so that's who i picked i think that's a solid choice i definitely thought about her but i had cast her in something previously did you yeah would you cast her as practical magic oh yeah 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 that episode that's a that's a fun episode now that i remember it movie makes no sense but stop it i kind of agree i think you have to have 
it's so fascinating because Dan Aykroyd is a comedic actor, and yet you believe him so hold, wholeheartedly as this, um, like, finance elite. Yeah. And so when you see him sort of fall into all this mis- misfortune, you're like, oh, right, it's Dan Aykroyd. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So I, I sort of felt the same way. I was like, who is someone who has that sort of, uh, air of money and, uh, uh, can be very prim and proper and who would look lovely, fully like cleaned up, done up, but also would be like nasty Santa Claus. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm into this. <laughs> Um, and I, I think I picked what will be a controversial choice, but who I don't dislike maybe as much as the world and who I think could actually give a really fun performance. I picked Anne Hathaway. Oh, okay. Cause I love. What's, you want to hear something funny? Yes. I picked Anne Hathaway in a previous pod. Do you remember which one? Practical Magic. (laughs) Stop. That's so weird. Okay, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I see. Um, it. Wow, A plus drama student. She is a plus drama student, Anne Hathaway. But I, for some reason, I keep thinking of um, Bride Wars, which is a romantic comedy. Is that with Kate Hudson? Yeah, yeah. And okay. she is this sort of like uh, she becomes a sort of bridezilla that goes like over the edge and they end up like trashing each other's wedding days. And she's supposed to marry, uh, Chris. Why can't I think of his name? Chris Pratt. Um, but yeah, I was like 100%. Can I see her being boss lady Anne Hathaway, but also scaring eating. (laughs) That's one of my favorite. Eating a beard on the bus. (laughs) This is one of my favorite scenes where he pours all the drugs into uh, Billy Ray's desk and he's like, Look here in his office drawer. He's got all the bad drugs here. Marijuana joints, pills, quaalude, valium, yellow ones, red ones, cocaine grinder, drug needles. He's the pusher, not me. Red ones, yellow ones. Like he has no idea what they are. Oh, I do have a serious question because I think I missed something here. Does anybody, do they plant the drugs on him or are those his drugs? When, um, what's his name? The, the... I always just call him the principal from Breakfast Club, but Glee, Paul Gleason, the yeah. uh, Clarence. Clarence, he bumps into him at that big meeting. I thought it was just the money, and uh, so I thought there was something really oh, funny. No, they plant the money then, and then he bribes the cop, and I think it's supposed to say that the cop plants the drugs, the PCP uh, in, okay. in his coat. Because I loved the idea as I was watching it of like they're searching him and they find drugs. And so the whole rest of the movie, when they're like, you're a, we don't want your heroin. And he's like, it's angel dust, PCP. <laughs> Just be like, I'm, I'm not a heroin dealer. I liked that a lot. Um, um, Anne Hathaway, it's funny. It's the same thing. She got her Oscar, but she had an origin of doing these comedy movies. Like yeah. that's how she got her breaks was, yeah, do a couple of these like rom-coms, a couple of these like Princess Diary movies. Mm-hmm. And then you cut your teeth on those and you come into these like big movies. And then it's like, oh, I won my Oscar for Les Mis. And then it's like only serious movies now. It's like, which I thought was okay. what was so fun about Ocean's 8 is that she does sort of play a version of this character. Mm-hmm. But she's so enjoyable because she's leaning into this fact that like people, people think that's who she is. Yeah. As a star. Yeah. And so... To sort of like prove people wrong, she's just like fully leaning into it. Right. I, I like that. I like she's she's ballsy. I yeah. like Anne Hathaway. Um, I think that's a pretty fun choice. And I think it's hilarious that we picked our <laughs> other picks from Practical Magic. Um, let's move on to Billy Ray Valentine, played by Eddie Murphy. Uh Eddie Murphy was twenty two. Twenty two years role. old. He, the only movie he had done before was forty eight hours. Oh, really? He hadn't done Beverly Hills Cop yet? No. And apparently when somebody was like, what about uh, Eddie Murphy? John Landis was like, who's Eddie Murphy? And then he soon became the biggest star. And literally somebody was just like, trust me, he is going to be a superstar. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's so good in this movie. Uh, Like his introduction as the like crippled homeless man, the (laughs) Vietnam vet. When I first saw Eddie Murphy, I was like, wow, how the mighty have fallen. Like, like there was a time when he was a comedy guy. Yeah. Hey, man. Say, man, when I was growing up, we wanted jacuzzi. We had to fart in the tub. This is such a great, like, this is such a great gift to give 
a comedian yeah like eddie murphy it's just like you give him this like this character this a lot of like physicality but i also enjoyed it like when he gets when he becomes sort of the richer version of of like when he takes lewis's life he does become like a little more serious until he finds out that it's like a scam Mm -hmm. and then he you know (laughs) he just comes back to being eddie murphy so that's like it arcs to him like being uh, like learning the ways of like the the rich and the powerful and then he just becomes like this very serious droll person almost as if to say like this life will suck yeah your he soul falls dry. into it um but man he he's so funny he's so funny you have to find that clip of when he's like pulling on that lady's coat <laughs> and then he lets her go and he's like me and you together forever baby and then she like walks away for two seconds and he's like we can make it baby me and you you bitch <laughs> <laughs> That made me laugh a lot. Um, um, so you're up. I mean, I feel like I in in the gender swapping of this, I feel like I took the easy way out because mm-hmm. this seemed really obvious to me. But at the same time, I was like, this pairing is funny. This person is funny. And I want to see this happen. I picked Tiffany Haddish. Oh, I thought you were going to pick who I picked. <gasps> um, now I'm interested in who you picked. Uh, Tiffany Haddish is hilarious and didn't. Didn't we talk about her recently on something? Um, or maybe it was just like some news about her. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you not like Tiffany Haddish. From what's from, the new movie she's going like to be? Everything. Oath? The Oath, Night School. Night School. What's was she? I feel like she's been in everything for the past like two years. Well, sure. Like people started to see her because of what's that like Bachelorette? A girl's trip. Girl's trip. It's not a Bachelorette. Uh, they're just on a girl's trip. <laughs> yeah, uh Girls she's, can take trips. she's hilarious. She is 38. Mm-hmm. I I think it's just like it's hard to like capture Eddie Murphy's star, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I guess I aged up a little bit, but I think this pairing works in a really fun way and honestly, line for line minus the racist stuff, you could m- remake this movie and I think it would still be like really funny yeah. in her in her voice. Yeah. Um, I like uh, it. that's a great pick. I went with a younger comedian. Again, I was just sort of thinking about the pairing. Um, I picked Aquafina. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I know it's, it's a solid choice. It's sort of a, like the racial issues would sort of change mm-hmm. because obviously like, you know, the way African Americans are perceived in this country is way different than the way like Asian Americans are perceived in this country. Mm-hmm. But she's played a lot of like hustlers. And so I like that idea of like she could do that really well. And then you add this, I- this layer of like she's ho- maybe she's homeless too. Was Billy Ray homeless? Yes. He doesn't really have a home. He's just like. We'd, if, he, if he has one, we don't see we it. We don't really see it. Yeah. So like let's just assume he was homeless. Like this, this sort of like the young homeless girl who's just sort of hustling her way but she's just like insane you know what i mean like they would do something like pretend to be a blind vet you were in nam so were we what unit were you in uh i was with the green beret uh special unit battalion's uh commando airborne tactic specialist tactics uh unit battalion yeah it was real hush hush yeah no i think that's a really solid choice i think her star is rising really quickly mm-hmm. and rightfully so she is Highly enjoyable from what I I have read about her time on the Crazy Rich Asian set. Apparently, she would just riff constantly and they could never use any of it because it wasn't appropriate to the rating they were seeking. (laughs) But she like always had people in stitches. And I mean, I think that's a really good vibe to bring to a movie like this. Yeah. Just let cut cut her loose and, and see what you get. Yeah, I mean Billy Ray is such a it's he is a he's such a fun character to play. Mm-hmm. Just like the popper to to Prince kind of reversal is, I think is well, is it funnier? I don't know. I think it's more satisfying to see what some what because you you live that fantasy of like I'm poor, he's poor too. What would it be like for me to become like this rich and powerful person? And it's satisfying, I think, for us to see that it's not like he's it's not like he's a fish out of water in this scenario. Like he falls into the business world very easily. Yeah. Like when they're at dinner and the the one guy is like, "What do you think about wheat?" And everybody sort of turns to look at him like, "What do you think?" And he's like got an answer. I'm considering going long on April wheat. What do you think, Valentine? 
I can think of three real good reasons why you shouldn't do something like that, George. One, the Russian wheat harvest isn't gonna be as bad as everybody thinks. And two, judging from all these jewels around your girlfriend's neck here, I think you'll need every penny you got just to keep her happy. Ophelia, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Shout out to Jamie Lee because uh, I saw Halloween a couple weeks ago. She's great in it. She's looking amazing in this movie. It's mm-hmm. like, I, def- I didn't realize how much of maybe like, a sex symbol she was. It's funny because I, when I was watching this movie, I was realizing there's that part in Scream where they're talking about the rules. Mm-hmm. And one of the people at the party, I'm just going to recite this scene because I can hear it in my head. They're at the party and one of the guys is like, one of the drunk guys is like, when do we see Jamie Lee's breasts? And Jamie Kennedy is like, not until Trading Places in 1983. <laughs> Jamie was always the virgin in a horror movie. She didn't show her tits until she went legit. <laughs> so now the reference makes sense to you because yeah. she is naked in this movie. Yes, and all you're the just time. like, whoa. Um, but I like, here's the thing. I like this character because I like the idea of Winthorpe having to join forces with essentially another street character but she is like the most like wholesome sex worker yeah he could have found who is like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna help you figure this out as long as you pay me because she's just like i'm trying to retire that's her plan it's like it's so hard to write uh you know the hooker with a heart of gold kind of thing Mm -hmm. but this is also, it's also was something that like bugged me a bit. Like she really takes care of him. Like she takes care of him when like, he's sick. Yeah. She like makes sure that he's like comfortable. Her, even the one client you see visit her, like brings her flowers. So there's like a lot of things that just say like she's not just like a dirty. Yeah. Sort of sex She's worker. not in this like, she doesn't have a pimp. She's not in yeah. this scenario where you're like concerned about her safety yeah. or. Yeah. She like chooses her own clients, but she also yeah. like, walks the street. It was yeah. it was a little confusing. So this I did not gender reverse. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't pick a guy and be like, well, he's a male prostitute. The way that I thought of this was like I didn't really believe their romance anyways. Agreed. So I just dismissed that part of the story. And Me I was just too. like, maybe this version of uh Lewis would just be someone who would learn out of the goodness of his own heart that like he should just help people because he is in a position to help these people. And Ophelia is still just this, this very kind hearted sex worker who takes this version of Lewis in while she like basically nosedives into rock bottom. I'm talking about a business proposition, Louis. I help you get yourself back on your feet and you pay me in cash five figures. That's the deal. And it's not subject to negotiation. And so I picked Zazie Beats. That's from a really good choice. Deadpool 2 in Atlanta because I, I haven't seen a lot of her stuff, but like she seems like someone – she's very, very pretty. Mm-hmm. She seems like someone who has that same kind of warmth and is someone who's like pretty street smart about, you know, what the dangers of this life are, but who still just like makes it a priority to take care of herself and protect herself. Mm-hmm. And who could – you know, she would who'd be charitable. Basically, that's that's sort of the core – of Ophelia is like she's charitable because she knows that in the end there's a much bigger payoff, mm-hmm. which there is. So that's why I picked. I 100% had the same philosophy mm-hmm. going into this because I agree. I didn't buy the love story. And I also just feel like too often movies fall on a love story is the B story when really like there's a lot going on here. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like you have to fall back on that. Yeah. I also like the idea of like embracing the f- the idea of like women helping women and building a female friendship around like part of Lou this version of Lewis's story is that he has to see how the other half lives and not just that but has to be embraced by them. Yeah. Um I think your choice is great. Thank you. I really enjoy Zazie Beats. I went in a slightly different direction. I think partially because I also see this actress as someone who has played very funny people, but not as much anymore. So I think it would be really interesting to sort of see her re-embrace comedy and be a challenge her to be a sort of streetwise sex worker who is out there to, uh, I don't know, what do the kids say? Get some bread. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that what the kids say? Let's I think some so. Bread. I also didn't realize that bop was a thing I made fun of you for back in October. Okay, bop is And a it's thing. like a thing. And I was, I was just like, okay, all right. I don't, un- I officially don't understand children now. 
So it's scary. Yeah, I guess get we, get we, bread, we, make cheddar. I don't know. <laughs> we children. Um. So for myophilia, I picked Amanda Seyfried. Hmm. Okay. And I think I just I I I thought of her, and I kept seeing her as Karen from Mean Girls. Yeah. And that endeared me to her. Yeah. And I thought this is it. Did it occur to you that she's also in Les Mis? Wait, what? Amanda Seyfried? Yeah. Yeah. She's in Les Mis. Yeah. Along with Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Oh, I just didn't know. They if don't you... have like scenes together. I know. I just didn't know if that you put if you if that had crossed your mind. No. Oh. Um. I mean, it's not like they were in Mama Mia together. <laughs> then that would have been a problem. You guys want to hear the clip? <laughs> Mama Mia, here I go again. Here we go again. Um. Okay. Yeah. I think what's funny is like I don't. It would be a big departure for her to play this kind of role. The sex work, like, when would she ever, has she ever played sort of someone on the other side of the tracks? So. Not, well, I mean, a little bit. Did you see the Twin Peaks reboot? Because she is that sort of like troubled kid. She's got that sort of vibe in the character she plays in yeah. the Twin Peaks reboot, which was interesting because I was like, this is not her vibe as an actress. But it was great because when you see her, you're like, oh. Like, I think we're supposed to feel the pain of, like, she's fallen from a certain place. Yeah. Um, And so I think she could, because we don't see her in this kind of part, I think that's what would make it especially fun for her to be like, I'm in control. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll give it a shot. I, it's it's a little strange to me, but I'll give it a shot. Okay. I put a lot of thought into this. I, I'm sure. I bet. I hope you did. <laughs> I'm just pointing out that y- you picked your choices very quickly. I did. But I think I'm doing well so far. Well, no, it's great. It's well, great. Once we get to the Duke brothers, we'll see how this goes. Okay. Um, Randolph Duke, played by Ralph Bellamy. Randolph is the Duke brother who is he's he's the one who's obsessed with he's the nature like, versus nurture. Yeah, he's the one who's instigating this. He makes the bet. He makes the bet because he believes that people. Are products of their environment mm-hmm. and so he's the one who he's, he brings up the idea of switching lewis and billy ray mm-hmm. mortimer is the one who's just like people are who they are specifically you know your genes determine like how successful you will be he believes mm-hmm. in all this nonsense so for my randolph i'm gonna be honest i had to really i had to go back and check and make sure i knew who each of them were yeah in a way, I think these characters are somewhat interchangeable. I think I picked someone slightly more comedic for Mortimer to be the, the skeptic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just picked someone for my Randolph who I was like, I could see him sort of spouting things off as if it is absolute truth and disregarding his brother entirely. Because he's like, eh, what do you know? I picked Martin Sheen. Mm, the president. He He is the president. He's also been killing it lately. I think in ways we didn't expect him to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've watched Grace and Frankie. Um, briefly. I think I watched like an episode. The of first it. couple of seasons are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, he plays one of the main characters who is sort of, I think, in a spot by design that we wouldn't uh, imagine him in. And he's a lot of fun to watch. It's fun to see him do something that's just not entirely serious. And um, yeah, I like him. Yeah. I think he would be he would have a lot of fun with this. I love Martin Sheen. And he's sort of weirdly has played bad guys some, at times. Like he was the bad guy in the Spawn movie, if anyone remembers that. But like he, he can play and, – and the Dead Zone, he was also the bad guy. And like he can have shades of villainy, which is kind mm-hmm. of – which he rarely gets to do because he's played like the most altruistic president on <laughs> media ever. Um, but yeah, I think that would be fun to have him kind of be that old – like one of the older blue blood dukes. Wait, okay. Perfectly useless psychopath like Valentine and turned him into a successful executive. And during the same time, we turned an honest, hardworking man into a violently deranged would-be killer. Okay, my Duke brothers are a couple wild swings because the way that I picture the Dukes were not these crusty old men. Mm-hmm. I think maybe, maybe politics were on my mind, but I, I sort of envisioned like, much younger siblings i gender swapped one of the roles i wanted them to be vicious i wanted them to be really fuck like awful people and mm-hmm. uh, w- but still be people that like, you recognized they were like they're shades of like the trump children kind mm. of like a brother sister kind of thing okay so randolph i kept a guy 
I picked Michael C. Hall. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You guys listened last week. I got really upset because I knew I was going to be putting him in this and kind of picked Michael C. Hall last Mm -hmm. week. So it's not like a big deal that we're talking about him anymore. But um, I just liked him because I I, I like this idea that he would be someone who would be so arrogant in his way Mm -hmm. of thought that he would put, you know, that he would make a wager on people's lives, you know? And he's someone that people like to watch. And I think he could be a little, I think like Randolph is a little funnier than Mortimer. I think Mortimer is just very like Mm -hmm. serious the whole time. Like he's just very nervous. This whole thing is going to ruin them, which it does. And Randolph sort of just like, fuck it, we're rich, we can do whatever we want, we can play God. So that's kind of who I saw. Yeah, that's a really, um, that's a really interesting choice to sort of call this, uh, to call a spade a spade and be like, if this, if this is the kind of family that's running, I say that as if it's a dynasty, kind of is. I'm sad now. Um, <laughs> if it's shades of the Trump children, I think that's a lot of fun, actually. It's interesting because I, I, I actually really like the notion of like just really wealthy people sort of playing with the lives of others. Yeah. Like I just kept thinking about how in Rat Race. Yeah. I'm talking about Rat, Rat Race. Race. Have you seen Rat Race? The, the original, I think. The original. Am I thinking of the same movie? No. <laughs> I don't think I have ever heard of this movie. Well, if you've seen rat race there's like the people who organize the race are this group of like wealthy men who just like to bet on anything and everything and there's something really funny about that because it's like useless bets with crazy amounts of money and it's fun to watch that blow up in their face yeah and so i think really like any way you approach that like however you approach the sort of upper crust of people who feel like they have that sort of power um it works i went with the old guard because i felt well i mean yeah this doesn't count but i was just thinking like really old white men uh are you just kind of maybe assume would be racist with his genes you can put winthorpe anywhere and he's gonna come out on top breeding randolph same as in racehorses it's in the blood yeah that's true Welcome to 2018. <laughs> well, speaking of 2018, so I I wanted Mortimer to be a woman. I no, I, I didn't necessarily want her to be a woman. I just wanted actors that would be very intense and that that seemed like they were you know this kind of one percent of one percent upper crust of mm-hmm. American society. <laughs> I'll just say who I picked. This might have been okay. my biggest swing. I picked Gillian Anderson from X Files and American Gods because okay. she is a very serious. Well, a lot of her roles are like very serious, but I just mm-hmm. like this idea of this sort of like ice queen billionaire who is, you know, at the, in the end gets swindled by the two people that she thought that she was swindling. Mm-hmm. Like when they lose everything, it's such a satisfying moment when you see these two old meek men trying to like get into the buyer circle. Yeah. And the breakdown that they have when they realize that they lost everything. I think when you have like two really great like dramatic actors play this so seriously, it could be really funny. We founded this exchange. It's ours. It belongs to us. Mortimer, your brother's not well. We better call an ambulance. Fuck him. Now you listen to me. I want trading reopened right now. Get those brokers back in here. Turn those machines back on. Turn those machines back on. Wasn't, weren't both of these people in comedies recently? Am I crazy or was Michael C. Hall in Game Night? I think he might have been. And Gillian Anderson was just in The Spy Who Dumped Me. And it's so fascinating because they they work really well as these sort of like straight men in the in the yeah. much bigger comedic yeah. world. Oh, yeah, you're right. Michael C. Hall was the bad guy in Game Night. He was mm-hmm. like the big mafia guy. Yeah. And so I like the idea of them. They like suit the genre in the sense that they can bring comedy to it, but not in the in the much broader way that Winthorpe and Valentine are going to have to do. Yeah. Um, which is nice because it just like evens the tone out mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Who'd you pick? For my Mortimer, I picked Ted Danson. Oh, I looked at him too. And I liked him a lot because I'm really enjoying The Good Place. Yeah. And he's a lot of fun. And oddly on the show, you get these versions of him that are uh, sinister mm-hmm. and gleeful. And it made sense, I think, to make him sort of the more um, 
to make him, I guess, the less playful one. Uh, the one who's a little more neurotic, but yeah. And I think too, I just liked the visual picture of Martin Sheen and Ted Danson together. Like one short, one's really tall. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I love Ted Danson. He's such a, he's such a funny guy. Yeah. And it's such a good time too. Like I, there was such a wealth of actors in this age range that I was like, oh, I like watching this person. Yeah. I like seeing this person. Like there's so much more material out for aging movie stars um, that, sticks them back in the spotlight just a lot of fun because we're they're still on our minds and in our television yeah movie screens yeah um i think that's a great choice i'll watch anything ted danson's in um did you watch becker i'll watch anything new that ted danson was in (laughs) i did watch bored to death i love that show i don't know what that is that hbo like bored to death it starred jason schwartzman and zach alfanakis and ted danson and jason schwartzman was like a gum he was like a self-made gumshoe and his cases were really like strange fascinating anyways well let's get yeah. to the most important part of this part of this podcast the what was that accent this is my boston accent came out oh, okay guys where does barry pepper go where i i made him the corrupt cop played by frank oz Oh, interesting. Because I just love that line that he has where he mm-hmm. just, he, he, he says something like – he just tells like Lewis to like shut the fuck up in the middle of this like lineup basically mm-hmm. where they're processing him. And it really just sort of like shakes Lewis. I just thought it would be a, a, like a fun bit thing for him. Who would you make him? I made him Clarence Beaks. Yeah. The like weird – what would you call him? He's Handler? Like, yeah. He's like the the head of security – off the books yeah. paid kind of like sort of yeah 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 i mean he's only he's the only other character in this movie other than coleman i was thinking maybe yeah. like doing an honorable mention but i was just like eh. coleman's a great character i one of my favorite parts in the whole movie is when he's making dessert <laughs> and then they decide not to have it and he's like you have it you have it and the look on his face is so upsetting He's just, he's literally making like a crepe flambe. He's like about he's about to snap. <laughs> and he but... just dumps it in the trash. Oh, and then like shortly after, the Dukes call him on the phone and they like tell him the plan. He's like, "Well, I work for you, so I'll make the arrangements." And then he hangs up, and he's just like, "What a scumbag!" <laughs> <laughs> I. I I loved it. Yeah. I think this movie, in a weird way, it reminded me of American Psycho. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in a completely different vibe, but also the same way. Yeah. Um, like power, you'll get away with anything. Yeah. yeah. I I'm I I'm a sucker for these old older comedies that are about like the average person sort of sticking it to like a higher power, like mm-hmm. Animal House stripes Mm -hmm. trading places like the idea that the little guy is being screwed by the sort of like the the man Mm -hmm. and it's that's that's sort of like the story of the movie i think a lot of comedies these days don't really they don't really i don't know if they i don't know i think it's more of a social like i just watched like i feel pretty that's more about like people's how people feel about themselves Mm -hmm. uh this movie like the oath feels a little bit more about like social topics and like blockers is more like a family movie about like kids growing up but i just like i just love these movies where it's like the bad guy are the people who are just like dumping all over us you know Mm -hmm. like the audience who see these movies you can be like yeah i don't make money (laughs) like yeah my bosses suck my bosses actually don't suck but you know like (laughs) In case they're listening. Like bosses are great. Like my boss's boss's (laughs) boss's boss's boss is the person who sucks. Like we're talking about the people who like run the studios. Yeah. And and yeah, like those. And like the four corporations that just like keep buying other corporations. Um but I you know, this this sort of movie has a I think still has a place. Oh for sure. I hope more of them get made. I hope I, I really feel like this movie is is perfectly primed for a remake. I do feel like we should spend the next five minutes talking about the train okay. sequence. Sure. Because I have a couple of questions. Sure. First of all, why is everyone wearing a costume? I don't know. I guess in New York, 1983, you dressed up in a costume. Or maybe someone was like, hey, let's have a costume party. Take a train from Philly to – is Philly to New York, right? Or is it New York to Philly? Or is it D.C. to Philly? It, well, it's – yeah, it's D.C. because that's where he's going with the – The the file. The files. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. It, you know what? 
I don't actually care. If someone was like, hey, there's a party on a train and everyone was in a costume, I'd be like, this might be the best party I've ever been to in my life. Let's get a costume. I think we should have more costume parties that aren't around Halloween. Oh, absolutely. Fancy dress parties, yeah. as they call them in the UK. Yeah. Um, um, also, Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi is in this scene. And uh, Al Franken is in this yeah, scene. Yeah, uh, disgraced former senator Al Franken. Al Franken. Looking at him, I felt like I had to take a minute because I was like, that is Al Franken. <laughs> and I didn't really know what to think, but he's really funny. He's the one they take care of the monkey, which the is ape. Is that is that gorilla supposed to be real? N- n- the Okay. So Jim Belushi is not the, yeah, it's supposed to be a real the gorilla. one okay, the, the one, one that the they're like shipping yeah, out. Which, but it's clearly fake. So is the implication yes. at the end of this movie yes. that Beaks is yes. assaulted yes. by a monkey? Yes. There's a bestiality joke at the end of this movie. Because <laughs> they're like, whatever happened to Beaks? And then it cuts to like New York and they're like He's like <laughs> There's two gorillas. Yeah, but look how they are in love. They're shipping off to Africa. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. Yeah. Also, the coming to America moment, essentially, mm-hmm. is like its own like sketch in a shell. Yeah. And I loved it. It feels like an SNL sketch. Like, yeah. a, like it could be a bad SNL sketch if there wasn't plot in it. Right. You know what I mean? I did like when he comes in and he's like doing the whipping and he like introduces himself and then he sits down and there's a quiet moment. And then he just goes, Beef jerky time. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, who writes this joke that Eddie Murphy is going to play a foreign, an African foreign exchange student who comes in and sits down and is like obsessed with eating beef jerky? What does he say when he comes in? It's not Happy New Year. It's like Merry New Year. Merry New Year. And he's like, it's Happy in New this Year. Country. In this country. I could just, at the same time, it made sense because immediately I was like, wait, when did Coming to America come out? And I was like, 100% there was someone who watched this movie and was like, you should do this. Yeah. For a whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it worked. It worked. Yeah, I mean, this this movie is definitely dated. It's definitely not a movie that, as is, could be remade today, but I think it should be remade today. I think it would... Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's give it a shot. Let's let's take stuff like this that we're like, it's funny, it's problematic. I really wish we had something that was like this, but a little beyond our, our, our headspace at the yeah. time. Let's just remake that stuff. Let's make it funny for, for, for us. Let's make it something we're not sort of sad about at the same time. <laughs> You're talking about Al Franken, right? Uh, yeah, only Al Franken. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us this week. Check out our past episodes. Please tell your friends. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. Please rate. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just give us a search. You can find us together as one on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at The Boot Podcast on Instagram. And you can find us separately because Brian is an exchange student from Cameroon at Kenna Trent and at Flimby. All right, guys, we'll see you later.